0: you are show
1: Good morning, good night, or whenever you're listening, it's a good time to be well aware. And I'm the well awareier George Finney. Uh, Our guest this week is Adam Shostak. Adam is a leading expert on threat modeling and a consultant, entrepreneur, technologist, author, and game designer. Uh, While at Microsoft, uh, he drove the Otter Run fix into Windows Update was the lead designer of the SDL threat modeling tool version 3 and created the elevation of privilege game. Uh, and he literally wrote the book on threat modeling. Uh, so Adam, thank you for being on the show. Great to be here. Now, so you, you've got a paper that, that came out recently uh, that basically uh, says that you don't have to choose between being fast, cheap, or good uh, with threat modeling. Uh, you can have all three. Um, so tell me more about this.
0: So here's the basic dilemma that people have around threat modeling. People believe it has to be heavyweight, and so they never get started. And that, that makes me sad because... Threat modeling can be as simple as asking four little questions. What are we working on? What can go wrong? What do we do about it? Did we do a good job? And look, as an engineer, I like to be structured. I like to be systematic. I like to give people ways to answer these questions. And sometimes what that's led to is this belief that it's always heavyweight, that it's always process heavy. And so this white paper is my answer to that critique, to that challenge, to help people execute.
1: Nice. So uh, you know, I, I I love that approach, right? Uh, but but uh, so you know, say say you know, say I'm not a CISO, say I'm just a you know a, a regular security guy. Um, where, where do I get started? So so go go through your 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 four questions, but also like you know, where, where do I start, right? Is it for projects? Is it, I'm reevaluating the control? Like, do, do I do it for everything or how big do I have to go?
0: So what are you working on? Right? Yeah. It is literally the first question I ask. So what are you working on? If you're working on a project, threat model the project. If you're reevaluating the control, reevaluate that control. And, as you're th- and let's take the control example, because it's an interesting one, right? It's from a threat modeling perspective, it's a little bit like we're putting the cart before the horse or the control before the threat. Um, so what, what is the threat that the control is intended to address? Is it a preventative control, a mitigative control, a detective control, or a response? okay, now we're getting into this question of what can go wrong, right? What can go wrong is it doesn't detect it. What can go wrong is it's too expensive to run because of false positives. And then we can say, will the alternatives help us better achieve the goal that we're trying to hit with whatever it is we're thinking about?
1: Well, and I like that approach, right? I mean, what you—I'm I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek's "Start with Why," um, but that's what you're asking you to do, right? The, the, there's no—there's no task that, that's too small, right? I'm, I'm creating a, a a single firewall rule. Um, I need to know why I'm 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 creating that rule, um, and and that kind of kicks off that that process for for threat modeling, right?
0: Yeah, and we can ask what can go wrong. You know, I might allow too much. I might deny some things that I don't mean to deny. What am I going to do about those things? I'm going to write a set of test cases to help me evaluate the rule against these possibilities. We just threat modeled this
1: well, seriously. I mean, it's really powerful seconds. because you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I I know firewall administrators out there. I know you know antivirus administrators, and you know, I, I think you know too often. You know, we get down into the weeds of, of doing the work, and and you know, we don't take a step back to understand, you know, what the larger uh, maybe context in, in, in the business that uh, that that we're impacting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, in in the paper, you, you introduce this really amazing concept, uh, and and you you call it the flow channel uh, for threat modeling, but but really, it's 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 based on the. Uh, the flow of, I, I, I always mispronounce his name, but the Chixemi. Um, I pronounce
0: it? it Six Cent Mahali, but I don't know if that's right or uh, not. Okay,
1: okay. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can Google it. Uh, maybe if you're at home, uh, you know, or, or maybe if you're drawing, driving, wait to get to the office. But, uh, you know, flow, you know, is, is, has really been something that, that's that been studied a lot uh, in, in, around athletes, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I've not heard that that flow uh, you know concept maybe applied to uh, to just engineering tasks. So I, I've, I've been dying to, to to have this podcast conversation uh, just so I can hear you talk about this a little more. Uh, so 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 let's go. What, you know, talk about flow in, in, in writing firewall rules or threat modeling or or, or or just any security.
0: So let me start by introducing the concept cool. by cool. this Hungarian psychologist whose name we're massacring. And he started out by studying, by saying, everyone in psychology is studying people who are dysfunctional. What if we flip that and we start to study people who are high-functioning in high-functioning situations? What does that look like? And he created the field of positive psychology And one of the things that he discovered is that when people have a good balance between challenge and capability, they get into this amazing state that he labeled flow, and he's documented it appearing in, as you said, athletes, in chess players, in mathematicians, in all sorts of places. And I actually learned about the flow concept from video games. I was at the SIGCHI workshop, um, which is computer human interaction. And there was a keynote panel presented by the Xbox team. And they explained that the reason that you have these practice levels at the start of a video game is because before you've played this game, you don't know how to pick things up. You don't know how to move. And so it gives you a low challenge place to develop some of the basic skills. And then as you progress through levels, the challenges increase and increase. And then there's a boss monster for you to fight. Right. And they actually mapped this. They showed how they used it to design great games Mm. and for me when I started listening to people talk about their threat modeling experiences and I used some techniques from human factors work of just being reassuring saying yeah I hear that a lot Mm. many people struggle with what you're struggling with and I think you think about these things in your well-aware concepts. You're thinking about the human being. And what I learned by doing this was that people felt the challenge was really, really intense relative to their skills. And so that was, that was a transformative lesson for me. It actually informed my thinking about the elevation of privilege game. And it informs this paper by saying, sorry, this is a longish answer, but it's just such a great (laughs) question.
1: No, it's great.
0: Um, And so when I think about how do I threat model a firewall rule, what what I wanna give you is this belief that, You may have never thought about doing this, right? And so your skill might be really low. And therefore, we need to make sure we adjust the challenge so it's also really low, or you're going to hit this zone of anxiety where the mismatch causes you discomfort,
1: I, I, I totally get that, and you know, I think maybe you've cracked open uh, you know the, the 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 way that we can solve our, our cybersecurity skills gap, right? And and you know we do this a little bit you know with new employees, right? You know if, if you've got an entry level job, you you'll give them tasks uh, the, the commensurate with your skill level, um, but that's what you know that that's part of this the the skills gap is you know we're trying to find you know the 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 senior level folks. And they're just not out there. And, and so maybe we're putting people in that, uh, that, that aren't ready for the challenges at the right level, or they're having to learn a whole new set of project you know, tools or, or suites uh, to, to, to do new things, or uh, they're, they're trying to learn the environment and, and, and download all of that institutional knowledge that they don't have yet, uh, and they haven't quite gotten there. So I, I, again, I, I think that this is a fascinating approach you've got uh, a a chart and so this is an audio only uh uh, podcast unfortunately but um you know i i love it because you've kind of created you know pictured this flow channel on kind of you know mastering uh you know flow by 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 kind of giving folks a a a path a runway if you will uh to getting towards those 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 bigger challenges can you can you talk about the, the the chart
0: Sure. So let me let me start by describing it. It's a it's a graph, and the vertical axis going up is challenge, and the horizontal axis, excuse me, the the vertical axis is skill, and the horizontal axis is challenge. And there's a path which runs up at like a 45 degree angle, which is representing the balance between the skill and the challenge. And so simply asking a question like what can go wrong requires very little skill. So it's down in the bottom left corner of the graph. And then I need to get this in front of me so I can actually address it. A more advanced threat modeling technique, like using stride per element, is up at the top right corner because it requires that, uh, and in fact, I have my axes wrong. And for this version, we put challenges on on one side. It doesn't really matter because the idea is it's a 45 degree angle. So anyway, the challenge is high and the skill you need to apply it is high. You need to understand what stride is. You need to understand that per element, we're referring to an element of a data flow diagram, a process, a data store, you need to know what those are, what they mean, what the symbols are. And so the learning curve for that involves learning about a couple of distinct different things and then applying them together. And when we do that, we end up with more consistent threat modeling. We end up with threat models that if you do it, if I do it, they look the same. Yeah, And that's great, but it implies a training cost. It implies we're using data flow diagrams versus the back of a napkin. Um, no, but this is a, Look, when I think about engineering, engineering is about trade-offs in where we get these elegant answers. There's a lot of elegance to threat modeling on the back of a napkin.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I do all my threat modeling on, on Post-it notes.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Great. Um, seriously. And look, I, I wrote a long book on the subject. And I in, in a sense, I'm sorry for that. In a sense, I'm not because I didn't know if I would get to do another one. Um, I,
1: I feel that in, in, in my soul, I, I know <laughs> you're talking about.
0: It's the author's dilemma, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put into this book, you see it in first-time movie directors too. They stuff in all this stuff. They stuff in all this stuff. They push in all these things because who knows if they're going to get to make another one? So there's an homage to this. There's an homage to that. Um but having written this complex book, I, cre- I help to contribute to this belief that threat modeling has to be complex, difficult, slow. And this white paper is intended in this chart. Is intended to focus people's attention on things like brainstorming or security fictions or center of gravity as ways to be faster and lighter weight.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I love that. And you know, again, I I don't I, I think there's there's this overarching feeling that that security is is, is hard, right? It's, it's scary, um, and and this this is a great way of of. You know, getting a, a a roadmap for for making it approachable, to, especially to, to new folks coming into the field. So, um, so yeah, I, I love this. Def- definitely check out the uh, uh, the paper. Tell tell folks how, how they can uh, download it or or, or or reach you.
0: So, if you go to showstackorg slash papers, you will find you will find our corporate white papers and. There's no registration. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell me that you're named George Finney. Um, you, you can just get the white paper because I'm doing this to share knowledge and try to help people.
1: Wow. We don't have to give you our email addresses to get a white paper. That, that's an incredible concept, <laughs> probably worthy of its own podcast. But um, so, you know-, you know, it's fast, cheap and good. There you go. so so I, I guess my last question for you, Adam so you know as I'm going through your, your threat modeling workflow, um, you know I, I'm noticing that there there are some similarities between you know your approach with threat modeling um, and, and some of the design methodologies around zero trust. Um, so I, I wondered you know how do you or do you connect the, those two approaches in, in, in your mind?
0: So so I think of zero trust, as a answer to the question, what are we going to do about it? The We know that over and over again, in all sorts of different ways, attackers exploit ambient information for authentication. I don't need you to reinvent that wheel. I don't need for you to say, well, what could go wrong is the attacker could discover that their IP address has special access to the wiki. Zero trust. The wiki requires explicit authentication and we turn down the implicit ambient authentication, right? We might, and I think this is an interesting question of does it need to be intrusive? You know, my bank, for example, has been rolling out ongoing voice authentication. So they're running in the background as I talk, they're checking my voice print. It's a little creepy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, sometimes I would actually prefer if they would ask me for my password. Um, but they've determined that that's where they want to be. Is they know about these attacks? They know about password replays. They know about password reuse. And so they're moving to a zero trust sort of thing. Where they're doing ongoing authentication, right? And that's that's cool. And so I think of zero trust as we know about the threat. What are we going to do about it?
1: Gotcha. I, I guess they haven't probably heard of deepfakes yet. <laughs> um, so mental note: if if you want to attack Adams Bank, uh, you know definitely you know get your deepfake on. Um,
0: so. I, I don't know what technology they're using but there are companies that assert that deep fakes that work for a human ear do not work against mm-hmm. their technology because the things that are ears the, the deep fake models are generally models of human recognition processes and that's what they're tuned on right right The the way in which our voice is produced has all of these other things which you and I don't tend to notice, but an audio engineer might or an algorithm might. And so so one, I believe the companies who say that their models are immune to today's deep fakes and I totally also believe that we can design voice cloning and deepfake algorithms and test them against these, these defenses and get into a different new arms race.
1: This is fascinating. I had no idea we were going to end up uh, talking about deepfakes, uh, but uh, oh, oh my gosh, a- Adam, thank you so much for, for, for coming on the show. Uh, th- this, this has been just just riveting. Uh, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm a nerd, so maybe you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not riveting for everyone. Uh, but uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, you know, thank you. So I, I, I like to leave uh, uh, you know my, my guests with the last word, um, and you know, again, with 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 your breadth of experience, uh, you know, w- what nuggets of wisdom uh, do, do you have to 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 leave the audience with?
0: The thing that I really want to share is we get so much value out of simple questions we we value we we focus on deep technical knowledge on sometimes on the bits and bytes and stepping back and using these fast cheap good approaches stepping back and asking the questions, what are we working on? What can go wrong? What are we gonna do about it? Really quickly and really regularly can focus a security program and it's a really magical transformation.
1: Awesome. Well, again, if, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you know, be sure and hit that like button, uh, post a review, hit subscribe if you haven't done it already. Uh, if you have done it already, uh, thank you for coming back, and we will see you next time on the Wellware Security Show.